The Utah Jazz got a tutorial from the Milwaukee Bucks on what it is to be elite in the NBA. We're talking about it next on Postcast. David Locke along with Ron Boone as the Utah Jazz get blown out by the Milwaukee Bucks, 144 to 116. Jazz super shorthanded tonight as they did not have Lowry Markin and Colin Sexton, Jordan Clarkson, and in turn did not have, sorry, I got to move my chair, did not have the firepower to hang with the Bucks. But quite frankly, like if we just go to the first four minutes of this game, I'm not sure it mattered what firepower the Jazz had. Grayson Allen came out, scored, I think, 14 of their first 15 points or something. Brooke Lopez blocked four shots at the rim. Giannis just bended the defense. And I thought what you really saw tonight, a 50 and 22 Milwaukee Bucks team, what you saw was a team that wasn't going to fiddle. Like they didn't come out to like see if they could like coast through the night and sneak. Instead, they came out and said, all right, well, we're going to see what we can do to dominate the night. And then we can cruise the rest of the way. And they did. They got up by 20 early and kind of cruised the rest of the way. Too many good players, too many good shooters in order for something like that to happen because obviously guys want to spend time on the floor. Uh, they got Grayson Allen, as you mentioned, came out in that first quarter. He lights it up. Then Connaughton it turned into his time there in the second quarter to do it. Giannis only had, what, seven points at the first after the first quarter or the first yep. half or something. He had 11 points at, at the half and was just cruising. I mean, he just just doing his thing out there and wasn't really looking to score until the third quarter. Jazz had very little chance getting any stops. The Bucks' offense was a 143 in the first quarter, offensive rating a 130 by halftime. By the end of three quarters, they'd scored 115 points as they scored 43 in the third and then at 144-116. The Jazz looked obviously incredibly shorthanded. Kelly Olenek and Simone Fontecchio, your offensive players going up against a bunch of all-stars, that's... That's a lot to ask. They also look a little worn out by all of this. I think playing without Jordan, without Colin, and without Lowry, I think the Jazz looked a little worn out. It, it's to be expected. I mean, the, the star players are out. And as I mentioned earlier, you're looking at 70-some points between those three players that the Jazz are missing. Not only that, uh, I'm going to say 50-some shots because I think Jordan Clarkson's averaging 17. And Laurie Markin is up to about 20 shots a ball game now. So it, it's, you know, especially since Colin Sexton's been out. But, you know, that's, that's a lot of points sitting on your bench and, and, and you're not getting anything out of it. I thought the first play of the game was really interesting because I thought it set a tone for what the Jazz were trying to do. Ochai Abaji had the ball, went off a double stagger left to right, coming into the lane. They ran it about another five or six times throughout the game. It's clearly trying to give Ochai the opportunity to play with the ball as the primary guy. And I thought it was interesting to see, and, and I'm not, this is not being critical. He was one for eight tonight. Like, I don't care about that. I actually am fine with it because I've always said this about rookies. You want them to do something, even if it's bad, because then they can fix it. It's The rookies you worry about are the ones that do nothing. When Ochai would have games early in this year when he played 13 minutes and didn't put up a point, you know, had almost nothing on the box score, I, I was far more concerned than a one for eight. But I did think it was interesting to see how far they were extending him. And, that it, you know, it's a lot for him right now. Like, he went from not playing to suddenly, okay, hey, the ball's in your hand. Let's see what you can do on a double pick coming left to right. And we're expecting something. We're yeah. expecting you. And, and the big thing here is just showing some improvement, putting him in situations out there on the floor where he's he'll, he'll be familiar with regardless of, you know, what game or who he's playing against and how often he's seen something like that. Just game-type recognition, I think, think, is probably the most important thing, you know, for him. Showing some confidence, uh, not backing down or anything. You saw he got a shot blocked trying to challenge uh, Lopez at the rim, you know, that type of thing. Getting to know 
defenders and their capabilities. You know, he's, he's in a situation now where, obviously, they want him to improve, and if he works hard, he will. Where is the moment from a player standpoint where you're asking too much out of him? Is there, like, can you push him in the next 10 games? Can they push him too far? And then he actually, he, he almost is kind of not broken by 10 games. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, or is, there, is it all right at this point how you push him just as hard as you can and see and let him just fail as much as you can? I, I think failing is, is good for him, but, but I also think that, that uh, you can throw too much at a player to the point where, okay, now he's doing more thinking and not playing on his instincts out there on the floor. You know, obviously they want him to play like he did, you know, in, in college. I mean, he had the freedom uh, and, and, you know, just doing those things that, that made him the 14th pick in the draft. Uh, but there's also uh, there's also just much, I, I agree with you, throwing too much at a player like that to the point where he's thinking about, you know, what he's supposed to do and not being that instinctive. You're interesting to see. I mean, they don't have a lot of choice, right? When you're starting uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, Ochai Apache, Simone Fonteki, Kelly Olinick, and Walker Kessler, you don't have a lot of choice other than throwing a great deal at Ochai Abaji because there just aren't that many other players to make plays. Kelly kind of, I think, embraces that role as best he can. And he, he did in the first half. He had 16 points. He had seven rebounds. He had three assists. Taylor's trying to do the best he can, but Drew Holiday was a lot for him tonight. He goes five of 17 um, in this one. Uh, let, let me bring up the zone here, the yeah. Jazz zone. And, and obviously this is about the fifth, sixth ball game in a row that they, they've attempted to play a zone. And I thought that tonight the, the Milwaukee Bucks had the personnel to just attack and wear that zone out. because They just threw Giannis and Brooke Lopez in the deep middle on the first opening right. possessions of the second, quarter, third, second half. And we didn't see it very many more times <laughs> yeah, after that. Yeah, they're really to the point where they had to get out of it. Those corner threes that you were talking about, uh, they're there, or Giannis or Lopez was, was, was at the rim. Uh, Joe Ingles returned tonight, upstaged by YouTube Jesser being in the house, but that's a totally different story. Um, what, what you, it was kind of cool to see that reaction for Joe. He got multiple kind of almost curtain calls that one, and then pointed across the arena at Renee, who was sitting in Rudy Gobert's mom's old seats. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, what do you think of Joe's return? I've watched him play many, many times with Milwaukee. And, boy, it's just so good seeing the applause and, and the welcome that the fans really appreciated him being here. Um, he's on this team. He doesn't have to do anything but, but pass the basketball and shoot open, open threes. He got six assists tonight in 21 minutes. Uh, and that type of effort out there on the floor, he can get two or three more years in the league without any doubt, especially playing on a team like this. But he, he's obviously a, the fans love him. He's on a one-year minimum contract, by oh the way. Oh, boy. So, really? <laughs> um, you know, he'll have to choose where he wants to go next. He'll probably have the wells he's playing right now. He's going to have some options. He he probably gets a two- or three-year deal from someone in the offseason. He's come back. Uh, Joe deserves an incredible amount of credit. We didn't get into it enough on the broadcast today, but he came back quite quickly. He's the fastest player in about 15, 10 or 15 years to come back from the ACL, and then he's playing well under it. He's shooting 40% from three. He's, he's really hot right now. So I mean, really, really impressive work. Joe Renee was largely involved in that as well um, in getting back because he is one of the fastest returning players in the NBA in, in quite some time. Um, ACLs have really become 12-month injuries, and Joe... 
uh, was back much faster than that and then has been able to play. So exciting for Joe that his career seems to have just a whole other stage left to it. Very exciting for him. Um, obviously, very happy for him there as well. And, and, you know, looking back on his career and how he got started, cut for the Los Angeles Clippers and, and uh, came here and, and, boy, just thought he had to pass the basketball. wasn't looking to them. I mean, he's just playing not to make mistakes. And then all of a sudden, he becomes a big part of, of, of the Jazz's offense and what they're trying to do, do with, on the, out there on the floor. Now, that ACL, he's not a player that plays up above the rim, doesn't do a lot of jumping uh, to the point where he's going up and trying to block shots. And also, he's not putting a lot of stress on that, on that ACL. And it's probably uh, one of the reasons that, you know, he's able to come back and still get out there on the floor. You know, I'll be honest on this one. I actually did not think he was going to be able to come back. And the reason well, is because I, I believe very strongly that there's this, like, range by which NBA players exist athletically. Yeah. And, like, most common, you'll hear someone say exactly what you said about a player, which is, well, they weren't athletic anyway, so if they lose some athleticism, it doesn't matter. And I actually disagree usually with that. Memo's my example of that. Like, Memo was kind of on the bottom end of athleticism in the NBA, and then he hurt his Achilles, and he was suddenly on the wrong side of it. He was just out of the league, yeah. right? Like, and I, So that's always how I felt about these guys is that there's this little range. I mean, Joe, Joe Johnson and Vince Carter and Rudy Gay and these incredible unbelievable athletes start here they got a long way to go and they can kind of stay in the league for as long as they want but when you start on the bottom end of the athleticism and maybe joe's a better athlete than we're giving him credit for and so maybe he slipped from the middle down to the bottom half after the acl but once you get outside of that fulcrum of of where you are an athlete in the nba you just don't play like you just don't you can't play it's over and I actually thought that's what was going to happen to Joe after the ACL. And so, to his credit, maybe the first part is that he's just a, actually a far better athlete than we've ever than he's ever gotten credit for. I'd go, I'd go with that. Then the fact that doctors are getting so much better at, at, at treating at, uh, these these ACLs, uh, the the treatments that they're getting, uh, not like the average guy that tears his Achilles. I mean, they go to get treatments two or three times a day, that, that type of thing. Bernard King, we'll go back years yeah, yeah. when he was one of the first that had a real bad ACL, comes back and probably had his best years as the NBA player. Hall of Famer now, you know, after something like that. But they're getting very good at, at you know, I think the recovery part of it is probably what they're getting better at. Right. Well, it'll be interesting to see. I hope he does. I will say this one thing will be really interesting on the box is, we didn't have any players to do this tonight, but they have some defensive players that are going to get hunted. Grayson Allen, Joe Ingles are two of them. Are Giannis and, and Brooke Lopez so good defensively that they can cover for them in the playoffs? We'll find out. All right, two stars tonight, Ron Boone? Well, how about Simone? Yep. I thought he looked very, very good out there on the floor. 26, career high for him. Yeah, and probably uh, Kevin, uh, Kelly Olenek. Kelly Olenek tonight with 16 uh, and 7. Uh what about Jesser? The YouTube guy. 12.2 million followers was in the <laughs> oh, house. Oh, that guy. <laughs> yeah, you can give him a half of one. Half of, he gets half a star yeah, for being since, here. Since we don't know what he... I don't know, but I'll bet you if I do like a bunch of Jesser stuff in the YouTube podcast, I'll get all sorts of like new followers. Oh, really? Yeah, we probably can increase our audience that, huh? if we There's talk about Jesser here some yeah. more. All right. Okay, see you guys. <laughs>